2: Hello, everyone, and welcome along to this edition of The Real EFL Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Iles. Of course, usually I'm talking all things League One, but tonight I'll be doing something slightly different, as we will explain in just a few moments' time. Of course, as I mentioned, I am not alone on doing this podcast this evening. Alongside me is Hannah Brown, a regular on The Real EFL League 2 podcast, and someone whose voice, if you're a weekly regular, listener, you'll recognise straight away. Hope all is well with you, Hannah. I'm looking forward to uh, doing this podcast with you, co-hosting as well, I might add.
3: Same, very much so. Thank you for having me.
2: No problem at all. But the introductions don't stop there as we are joined by a man who is around 35 years of experience in the professional game as both a player and as a manager. His entire playing career saw him play in the football league with the likes of Wigan, Grimsby, Lincoln, Mansfield, Notts County, Queen's Park Rangers, Notts County again, and then finally end his career with Scunthorpe in 2009. Plus, he's even forged a managerial career which has been ongoing since 2010. He has managed in England with Scunthorpe, the Republic of Ireland he's managed in with Sligo Rovers, he managed in Scotland, managing Motherwell to be precise, and even spent time as head coach of the Northern Ireland Under-21s and more recently leading the men's senior side. It's a big one Welcome to Ian Barraclough. Thank you for coming on. And how are you doing, Ian? I'm good, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
4: Looking forward to a chat.
2: No problem at all. Well, we are grateful, as I mentioned, you could come on and talk about your playing and managerial career with us and also answer some questions too as we pick your brains out about certain things in both your playing and managerial career. We hope you're ready and well prepared for whatever myself and Hannah will throw at you uh, this evening. But of course, before we start our pod, With Ian Barrowclough, we just want to say a quick message before we start. Thank you for the response for the League 1 and League 2 pods. The numbers are flying in terms of listening figures. And please do rate us five stars if you enjoy the content we've produced so far. Right, it's only about time that I sort of stop talking now and uh, bring our guest in to answer a a couple of our questions and kind of talk about your playing career, first of all. Um, Ian, you began your career with your hometown club, uh, Leicester City. Um, I guess, sort of, when you were being in the youth setup back in the day, um, sort of, what talk in the nineteen eighties sort of thing. I guess it must a lot different to what it is now for for younger players. I mean, just sort of describe what the youth team experience was like for you at Leicester City.
4: Yeah, I, I spent a couple of years in the uh, what would be the junior ranks before turning uh, turning as an apprentice. Um, so a couple of years. Within those those younger age groups, but um, going in on on school holidays as well and seeing what what the apprentices were doing, um, the first team seemed a million miles away, and you'd sort of stand there starstruck at times. If you're ever involved in one of the sessions, possibly just fagging balls or or you know just being involved. I was a striker back then, so being involved in a, in a finishing session maybe with the goalkeepers, it was um, it was a massive thing. So. To be offered a a two year what would be now a scholarship and um, and 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 being an apprentice for a couple of years, it was something that I remember the conversation. I went into to the the office. The youth team manager was Dave Richardson at the time, who went on to to be part of Aston Villa's uh, youth academy as well, very successful. And um, Brian Hamilton was the was the first team manager, but dealt exclusively with the youth team manager. Really, and I, I went in with my dad uh and and had a meeting and i was a borderline case and um he said that i know that your your dad's keen on you to to continue your your studies at school and make sure you get your, your exams and maybe even stay on you know at, at school uh, and do do a levels and, and and come in just during the, the school holidays and um i looked at my dad i looked at dave I looked to my dad again i said well we, we've not had this conversation you know and, and i i felt when i came out actually I, I remember the so i remember the conversation saying if i'm going to fail at this i'm going to fail having given it a good crack uh, and that meant being there every day doing what all the apprentices do didn't want to sort of come in on on school holidays and uh, and see where it went so that was um i felt i felt pretty grown up then to be honest when i when I'd said that to my dad and and uh, and 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 they agreed, so um, that was the start of it, really.
3: And is that that it seems, looking at your career, that that mentality has been something that stayed, has stayed with you in terms of, you know, not all or nothing necessarily, but give anything a go and give it your best, and if it doesn't work out, then you yeah,
4: the, the, the hadn't Yeah, the film hadn't been created then, but it's sliding doors moments, isn't it? And it's <laughs> one of those where you look back and you think certain conversations or certain things happened, You've made decisions to do things, yeah. and and, um, and and you've ran with it. But uh, no, it was definitely and and for me, you know, just over halfway through that that two-year period, three of us, along with Paul Kitson, the striker, who went on to play for for Newcastle and, uh, and mm-hmm. Derby among among others, um, and Richard Smith, who went, had a, a really good career until he finished early from from a back uh, injury. Uh, you know, we all got offered pro contracts early so you know that was something that that we were clearly proud of and and um you know that made that decision for me probably 18 months earlier you know to be the right one.
2: You you talked about just sort of when you were sort of in that meeting with with your dad and obviously Dave Richardson you you said it felt like a million miles away was that something that is always just kind of being with you whilst you were kind of at Leicester was just breaking down those barriers and almost saying, you know, I am good enough to, to forge that kind of career for myself. That, 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 that sense of maybe someone in the back of mind telling you you're not quite good enough, did that carry you all the way throughout your entire career, whether it was being a player or a manager as well?
4: Not, not, not my whole career, but certainly as a younger player, when, when, when starting at Leicester, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't the best player. I wasn't the best player at my school. Um, there was another lad who signed for Leicester, and uh, and and eventually after the two years, he never got taken on. But you know that's progression of young players and how, how young mm-hmm. players go go above the others. And, and what I, I just I just knew that I had a, a steely determination to work at my game, whatever the deficiencies. I wasn't the the biggest, and so I was six foot tall, but I was I was a skinny rake. Um, so I needed to, to to put on muscle mass, and and uh, so so anything to whether it was going in the gym whether it was being stronger mentally on the on the training pitch when you're going up against an older player an older defender maybe a first team defender at the time someone like Steve Walsh you know it was pretty frightening but you know you couldn't show that and and I think you know I, 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 during that period myself and Paul Kitson we we were we were looked at as being as a, a strike pairing and, and we, we played very well as a, as a pair together so we went through the age groups and and uh, and, and and eventually that you know, I suppose helped each other, but but he was the more talented striker than me, and I was always trying to play catch up. So, when the decision to actually leave was when Brian Little came in, and I, I, I'd been offered an extra year's contract, but I had the the likes of David Kelly and Kevin Russell ahead of me, and 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 um, David Oldfield, and and I was probably about fifth or sixth, and, and Paul, Paul Kitson as well. I was probably about fifth, sixth choice striker, and and I, you know, I just felt. I don't think I'm going to get a chance here so so where's that going to lead to at the end of this year? I had a couple of clubs I'd been on loan to Wigan um, and, and eventually I went on loan to Grimsby under Alan Buckley and he was interested in taking me at the time and I just thought oh, I want to try and play first team football and, and you know I was I was 19. And, um i'd played a couple of times for Leicester, but it was um again it seemed, it did seem a million miles away so no making that decision to to come away from a hometown club and and try and make it elsewhere lower down the pyramid or but albeit with brimsby that had just been promoted to the what is now the championship it was um yeah it was a a decision i had to make
3: and where did where when did the metamorphosis into a defender happen um if you started off as a striker and when you left Leicester, you were a striker
4: i when when I talk about my playing career i was i ended up being a jack of all trades master and none because i, and, and I <laughs> with seven hundred games i suppose you know it's it, it, it's it's quite a lot more than most but yeah. probably due to the fact that I could play in different positions and mm. and, and you know if if someone was out injured. I could play there, and, and there was a, f- a few clubs that I that I I nailed down a position. I was, a, you know, a, a central midfielder or a left midfielder, come left back, and I played a a season at QPR at centre half, and it was a sweeper. But you know, ma- mainly it was I was either a central midfielder, a left back, and then towards the end, a, a, a you know, a, a centre half that that probably played in a three.
2: Well, you're very much like a Swiss army knife, I think, instead of the uh, jack of all trades. Um, just kind of talking about when you went to Wigan, first of all, obviously, you mentioned Brian Hamilton. He was the manager there when he signed you on loan at 19. Was that the reason why you ended up going to Wigan? I guess as well, a Wigan Athletic, very, very different to what you saw prior to Dave Whelan in this DW Stadium and all the success that, that followed after that
4: totally different totally different Springfield park was a million miles away from from where, where the DW stadium is now as in you know stature and the way it's uh, the way it's been built the way it was a um, it was a, a typical old third fourth division ground very open one main stand that that probably you know allowed the the wind to whistle right through it <laughs> on a on January afternoon or evening um, and it was uh, going into a... We were what were we? What's League One now? Um, I think, and and you're coming up against centre halves that just want to go right through the back of you and, and and let you know that, you know, you're in for a hard afternoon. And and it was a it was a, a real a real eye opener. It, it it certainly helped me grow up. I knew I had to tough myself up from from there, and that's why I'm a big advocate of, of speaking to young players and trying to get them to go out on loan if they're not playing at their club. Why be at a club and and all right? They talk about the development and being able to learn your trade, but there's no better way for a young player to learn than going in, into a, a one of the, the lower leagues and, and going on loan and playing playing first team football.
3: And you've talked in the past about how um, one of the things that you're passionate about is instilling confidence in young players. Is that part of it? Is that w- one of the ways that they um, they can grow in confidence?
4: Yeah, because I, I had some some really good coaches that, that that believed in me, and spoke to me, and 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 you know told me what what I certainly what I what what I was you know needed to work on, but 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 also what what I was good at as well, and and praised you for that. So David Pleat, um when he took over from Brian Hamilton, was you know he'd come from Luton, he'd got together a good young side, Luton side, and um, and and he was all about pr- producing young players, and and he 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 certainly liked what he saw with myself and Paul uh, as, as, a, as a pairing and, and gave me my, my debut at Leicester. But, um, you know, it was there were others uh, along the way as well. So it was, it was certainly, you know, those kind of conversations stand out. And I know how it made me feel. So, you know, with young players, you have to be honest. You have to be stern. You have to put them right if things aren't quite right, whether it's mentally or physically or, you know, tactically. But also give them the praise. Tell them what they're doing well. And and see them flourish, and and that's uh, uh, yeah. I suppose when I've gone into the coaching side of things, you know, seeing that difference in a player, how they grow within weeks or months under your your care is is fantastic.
2: Does that require sort of a lot of being quite clever in sort of how you use tone or how you speak to players? You know, as you mentioned players love getting praise but there is that element sometimes maybe a little bit of players don't like getting criticism and sometimes when managers can say it it can be a bit forthright it can come across very demoralizing to players is that something when you do try and constructively give criticism to a player or tweak certain things in their game you're very sort of you know having to think a lot about how you're going to say it to them how you're going to sort of you know tell it to them is is that something that comes into your mind when you have done that previously
4: it is, and it's all about learning the individuals. How do they how do they react within a amongst their peers within a group within a small group? Is it a one to one? Is it something where you you might have said something in the dressing room to them, but you need to back it up and clarify it further down the line? So maybe played on a Saturday might might not have gone right, and and you know you need to speak to that person one on one, and that's all about learning about what individuals are like and and getting to know them as. As people as well getting to know their background their upbringing their, their family around them what they enjoy doing that all helps create um for me a picture of how you can deal with that player when it comes to to, to a saturday afternoon or a, a tuesday evening for instance so so yeah you are mindful and and you know it isn't one size fits all and and it's it's certainly something that you you have to work at you'll get it wrong i've got it wrong at times, and and, and you, you you think back. I'm certainly someone who, who likes to reflect, and and for me, it's um, yeah, you you cringe at some of the things you might have said to someone, and think, oh, "If I only I could have had that that conversation back." But that's the thing; you, you you might only get one one chance at it, and you may have lost that player.
2: Moving back to sort of your playing career, you obviously. Went to Grimsby, as you mentioned, after Wigan. You then signed permanently. Uh, You did back-to-back promotions uh, going from the sort of old uh, Division Three all the way to the Championship, I then believe. And then you went to Lincoln. Obviously, there is a bit of a rivalry, a bit of needle there, dropping down two divisions. Was that something that worried you, you know, having to move to a rival and then dropping down two divisions? Or I guess you just were happy just being content with playing football? Yeah, I think that
4: was the that was the move that, that, that I really knew that I'd you know I went to Grimsby, I played when I was on loan, but I didn't get that many chances when I signed permanently. Again, it was a it was a Grimsby side that was very good under Alan Buckley. Um, I'd already sort of moved from from a striker that was starting to, to morph into a left midfielder. Um, but they had a settled team that went, say, from the, the old fourth division to the third division into the, to division two, which is now the championship. And those chances were, were very very few and far between. So, so again, speaking to the manager, honestly, um, once I knew that Lincoln were interested and I knew that, you know, there was a, an area where uh, they wanted me to play, uh, for, for me, it was a, a no-brainer. I, I just wanted to play first-team football and, and get my career kick-started. So, looking at it, I'd gone from Leicester in the Championship at the time, gone to Grimsby, who were on the way up. I was... I don't mind whether I was saying I was on a slight decline in, in, you know, going into into clubs in a lower league. But I knew that, that I had the confidence that I, that I would have a chance of bouncing back.
2: I mean, obviously, you know, as you said, you, you were at Lincoln. Um, then you made the move to Mansfield. And I remember seeing... The manager that you had, Andy King. You said a quote that he was a really good manager who got the best out of me. What was it particular about him and his style that really brought the best out of you as a player?
4: He was the first time that I'd come come up to it with a coach or a manager who who was he was almost he, he loved being one of the lads. He loved being someone you could have a, a crack with. Um, he certainly let you know when 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 things weren't right and when we'd, we'd let ourselves down. He worked as hard, but he also enjoyed. You know, joining in with the training as well. He was a really talented player, Andy. And, and, he, and um, you know, those that are, are old enough to remember him when he used to play for for Everton. You know, he was um, he was someone who was right at the forefront. I think he had to to finish through injury early as well. But he, he, just just his manner, the way he was about you, he put you at ease. He um, he liked me. He he wanted. He thought I was I was a better player with the game in front of me. So that was the first, probably the real time I'd started playing left back. And, and and I did, and he encouraged me to, to go forward. He saw the attacking side of me as a player, and, and he encouraged me to get forward as much as possible. So, for me, you know, and and Andy could have probably managed in the the, you know, football nowadays where where those fullbacks weren't weren't defenders first and foremost. They were their attackers, and 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 that's almost like the modern day fullback now. And and someone who I, uh, I look back say fondly at um, a lot of his methods the way he went and did things and the way the way he spoke to players although he could like you say he could um, he could certainly fire into you.
3: Is there one of the managers that you played under um, as a player that was has been more influential than others in terms of your managerial style?
4: No not not really I mean uh, as I've said about David Pleat you Mm -hmm. know was was always one that wanted the younger players if they were good enough or if they were showing promise to go and train with the first team. So that gave you the first chance of, of you know, being involved with a with first team squad, which was fantastic. Um, if he saw that you weren't up to it, you weren't ready for it, then it'd move you back down. But other players yeah. would then maybe get a chance. So that's something that, that stuck with me as a, as a coach. Um, I'm, I'm someone who's, who's pretty positive, I think, I, I would say with, with players rather than the first thing to think of is, is going in a berater player or a group of players mm-hmm. uh, i do look for the positive side on things and 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 certainly you know nail, nail that down mm-hmm. and you know even if we, you know if we've come off and we we've, we've been beaten or we, we we're losing at half time something i would i would try and i would always end with with, with positives for them i think mm-hmm. players it was too easy back then when i was playing for for, for managers just to tear into you and uh, get it off his chest and it make him feel better yeah but I, I, I don't get that feeling if I've done that. I come out having, having done that to the players and'm thinking I could have been a bit bit better with my words rather than just tearing into it. And this is the time of course you do you have to mm-hmm. uh, you have to show your, your teeth at times but it's it's one of those where I think you know you're more productive you know picking out things and how do we rectify it how do we make it better? How can we make you as an individual and the group um, to, yeah, a lot stronger and better going into uh, into games? Sam Allardyce was uh, was one. Uh, I'm, I know you're going to come on to to Notts County, am sure. But again, he was one that for me as a coach, you know, nailed down everything. There was there was no grey areas. Everything was black and white. This is your job. This is what I expect. We're organised at set pieces. You know your roles. Go and do it. And and for me again, that's something that uh, you know. If I've ever got players that are unsure about what I wanted from me, then I'll be disappointed in myself as a, as a as a coach as a head coach because. You know, I think I'm pretty methodical. I go through things, whether it's individually or collectively. And I think my teams know how I want them to play.
2: Hearing from from other players, they share kind of the same things that you said about Sam Allardyce. Why do you think there is that perception slightly of him in the media about how he's very much direct, Is he's, he's very sort of, you know, not the greatest manager and easy on the eyes of his teams to watch. Why, why do you think there is that perception of him when you've just mentioned something that a lot of people probably listening to this wouldn't associate with Sam Allardyce?
4: Where, where have Sam's teams, I would always say to people, where have Sam's teams generally, generally been playing? Where have they been in the league when he's, when he's taken over or mm-hmm. he's, he's in charge of them? Um, his Bolton team, you know, we're, we're always up against it in the Premier League. Yeah. But he put together a team with JJ Ococha amongst, amongst many uh, players coming from Spain, you know, Spanish internationals. Um, He, he got together a real group of players. And I think, you know, probably talking to Bolton fans at that time, they enjoyed watching his team play. When I was playing for him at at Knox County, all right, we, we, um, we got relegated the first year that he took over in the January, I think it was and he, you know, he, he couldn't save us, but the following year we'd won the league by March and, and, you know, we were playing really attacking football. We, we we knew our roles. We were strong. We were resolute. But, you know, we played with two wingers at that time. And he encouraged a midfielder to break into the box. He played with two strikers. You know, it was an attacking team. Teams he's, he's been in charge of since, you know, have, have probably been up against relegation in the Premier League, coming up against the, the best in, in the world. So, you know, he sets his teams up how he thinks he can... Uh, it can be hard to beat to start with and, and probably didn't have the, the players or or the transfer budget to then go and, uh, and and spend on on elaborate players, I suppose.
2: I mean, you obviously talk about how you went to Notts County from Mansfield. I mean, you don't mind making the move across the, the city rivals, do you, sort of in your, your playing career? Grimsby to Lincoln, Mansfield to, to Notts County. I mean, obviously we'll touch upon your second spell in just a second, but obviously... The first spell you had at Knotts County, you were in a playoff final uh, against Bradford, managed by, of course, Chris Kamara. Was that sort of a dream of yours to play at Wembley? But obviously, you know, it's never a nice place to lose. I mean, as a as as what they say, as a manager or as a player, what was that experience like playing in that playoff?
4: Yeah, I, I, I spoke to Chris. I was on the ta- on his table this year at the LMA dinner, and uh, I reminded him of that. It was one, one of my posts. One of my posts my best one of my best moments in football and also one of my worst because you're right it, it was the old Wembley it um mm. you grow up watching cup finals and and internationals at that place and and it was the iconic twin towers the pitch was unbelievable it was it was you know the best pitch you're going to play on but it seemed massive i remember you are walking out in the tunnel and and I'm a good friend of mine Darren Ward who's who's currently the goalkeeping coach at the England ladies out in Australia New Zealand at the moment but I remember, you know, just nudging each other and, and sort of saying, wow, this is, this is something, something else, you know. Um, but we were favourites going into that final and, and Bradford packed out their end. Uh, we didn't quite fill our end, but the noise was, was deafening from, from the Bradford fans and that certainly gave them an edge as well. And, um, and, and we got soundly beaten on the day. So, it, it, you know, it didn't end, end well. Your family and friends are there. They got, I remember they got a coach down to Wembley and, and um, you know, seeing them in, in the pub back in Leicester the, the later that night just wasn't wasn't a, a good feeling for it. But it's, it, that, all them experiences help you uh, get better. They grow. And, and it's uh, funny, I, I talk about Notts County and I was there for six years in all. You'll go on to the second period. But in, in each of those seasons, something happened, whether it was relegation, promotion... Um, wow going into to to administration it was just it was a it seemed as though
3: it was mad so it's time to take a break it's gone really quickly already but um we're just going to take a minute to uh hear from our sponsors
0: it's time to start planning your next holiday adventure whether you're traveling to germany for the euros or taking your partner or kids in a much needed break to the Balearic islands Downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films, which are not available in your region, by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and don't want to miss any of the action from your favourite EFL team, then NordVPN is the service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands for just the price of one cup of coffee per month and can be used across six. Yes, six different devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com forward slash ReallyFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast and you can too by going to Nordvpn.com forward slash ReallyFL to get a discount. The link is in the description.
1: Away days are great. Especially when your striker bag's a last minute winner but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms
2: apply. See mcdonalds.com. You then make the move to Queen's Park Rangers, uh, obviously who were sort of in the second tier or, or old division one then. Um, you had three years there, just over three years. Um You were in a team that wasn't the the most exciting for quite a little bit of it. It was always seemingly <laughs> fighting above the drop zone. You did go 10th one year, I saw, under um, Jerry Francis. But one thing that really did stick out, you were teammates with Vinnie Jones and Neil Ruddock in the same side, which, I mean, was... uh must have been something for you, knowing, I mean, you, were, you would have been, what, sort of nearly 30 at the time. I mean, you must have some stories about Vinnie Jones and uh, Neil Ruddock sort of causing a bit of a ruckus, shall we say, possibly. Yeah. Maybe. Did they live up to their to their names, their reputation a little bit? They
4: did. I I, I signed just on deadline day, which, um, you know, is not like the deadline day now. You know, it's transfer windows <laughs> in, in and, and it ends in September and it, the window opens again in January, January. So, but I, I signed on the third, it was always the third week in March. The end of the third week in March and, and I, uh, not to count again, more stories about Sam Allardyce, but he wasn't too pleased that I wasn't signing a new contract. He thought I'd been tapped up. I um, refused to answer my phone at one stage. It was the very early mobile phones as well, but I remember <laughs> turning that off. I think I made a phone call to, to my agent. It was the first time I used an agent. I made a phone call to a telephone from a telephone box just to make sure that I wasn't on the home phone. Um, <laughs> it was crazy and then, then then the move actually went about just on the final day. And I think I think he, Sam was taking the, the group to somewhere like Chester, I think a hotel up in Chester, Wrexham, that sort of area and, and having a, a jolly two or three days away before the games mm-hmm. on the Saturday. and um, he made me travel there, pull me in straight away and and said um we've just sold you to qpr all right okay did you know that earlier no no option (laughs) you just had had to accept it did you make did you make me come up all all this way because you know just to you know add an extra couple of hours onto my journey he says so go down down there and have talks he says not that too much talking is going to go on because i'm sure you know you're already already signing anyway (laughs) um and it was it was yeah it was um it was dealt with like that really so it was uh, one of those where okay, I went down to QPR and and you know we were fighting relegation straight away. So uh, and I think a week later that's when Razor came in and Vinny. and um, we we did stay up actually with a with a couple of a couple of games to go. But um, now as you can imagine, two shy boys they were and uh, you know when, when it came to doing your initiation song, I think Vinny stood upon a table did his. Uh, Mac the Knife rendition, um, and, and I can't remember what razors was, but it was it was yeah one of those where wow we're we're in for a bumpy ride for the for the next.
3: <laughs> my uh, one of my dad's friends is a massive QPR fan, so growing up, I'm a I'm a Stockport County fan, but I'd go whenever when QPR were playing up here. So I was at Main Road that last well the, their last home game. Um, when I think it was a two-all draw and uh, they ended up doing a kind of lap of honour because it was the last home game before they went down. But yeah. one of my dad's favourite football stories ever is Vinnie Jones scrapping with King Cladsey in the tunnel before
1: <laughs> the
4: Brilliant. game. I, I, I was going to come on to that because I I, <laughs> I was always one that sort of was one of the last ones out of the, out of the dressing room. So um, we'd been revved up by uh, Ray Harford, God bless his soul. Mm-hmm um and we we <laughs> we, we went uh, so the old main road you came out of the dressing room
0: mm-hmm. the away
4: team turned right and then you met the home team because they were coming from their dressing room and then we turned left they turned right to go up the tunnel so i've just come out the door to go into the the early part of the tunnel and um and i hear all this commotion going on around the corner and uh you know we, we talked about George Kingcladsey being a uh, someone who needed to be cabined up so we've got to be careful we've got to make sure that we you know we don't um, we, we don't allow him space and and um, Vinnie I think took it to the extreme because as I was coming around the corner into the tunnel he had him up by the throat he was being backed up by a razor at the time as well and, uh, and and he all kicked off in the tunnel and, uh, and there was me you know just what what' what's, ha- what's happening I've, I've never seen this before and then to cap it all, Georgie King cladsey scores with a, a, a free kick, I think, in, in the first two minutes. And we thought, all right, well done, well done, Vinny. <laughs> and, uh, so, that, 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 to... that, was, that was the infamous uh, own goal by Jamie Pollock,
3: mm-hmm.
4: where he, uh, oh, he, okay. he, he knocked yeah. it up and, and went to head it past the key, well, into the keeper's arms, but headed it into his own goal. So, uh, a two-all draw, which which was, yep, we, we, we stayed up and uh, relegated Man City.
3: Yeah, we were in the city end and Ray's there with his, um, his Keep your shirt on, but zipped up and he's got this strong cockney accent. I was like, just be quiet. I, mean, I can't remember how old I was, but I was yeah. not enjoying this experience <laughs> because he had a tendency to be very vocal,
4: yeah.
3: um, but it was all fine and he went home happy.
4: So it's good. Just, just great memories because the, the you know main, main road was a, a fantastic old stadium. Mm. You know, really nothing like Springfield Park as an old stadium, but um, yeah. you know I think a lot of Man City fans talk very fondly of, of that mm. of that stadium. And, and of course it's totally different now to
3: very different where they
4: play. But um, no a, a real atmospheric stadium, which was um, it was bouncing on the day, and certainly after a minute when they went one up, but um, we silenced them, which was which uh, was great. Yeah.
2: Towards the sort of end of your time at QPR, you, you'd had Jerry Francis and Ian Holloway as managers. There's been a lot of stories about how sort of very unique, I think it's fair to say, sort of Ian Holloway is. And being at sort of Bristol, I think it's always quite important to sort of know how mad Ian Holloway is. I do reassure we're not all like that. Um, what, what was he like when he first sort of came in? Because I couldn't imagine he was the, the Ian Holloway when he's just coming at Blackpool. Or he's, you know, been the one at Plymouth because he came in at a time where, you know, you were really, really struggling, wasn't? Didn't
4: he? Yeah, he did. I, I think um, he, he'd done really well at Bristol Rovers, uh, if I remember rightly, and and it was, you know, a step up for him. Clearly, taking charge of his old club that he used to play for as well in the old First Division, and the early part of the Premier League, and it was, um, you know, for him, he, it was a it was a big step for him, and and quite rightly, he was he wanted to nail down. Certainly one or two rules. He, um, he wanted people to enjoy themselves and to express themselves. But he was big on respect. And that was something I remember, uh, I, I take from, from his time. He, you know, how you treat other people, how you treat the, your teammates, how you treat other people within the, the football club. And again, that's something that's that stayed with me. It's, um, it, it's massive. It's, and it's something that you, you know, I think if you can get that culture running through a club, then you're onto a winner because it's um it's not all about the players. Yes, they're the ones that walk out and run out onto the pitch and, and try and get a result for the club. But the work that's done from from Monday to Saturday in the lead up to that includes everybody within the club and and um you know if you can get on and you treat each other properly and they all feel part of it, then they've played their part in getting that result on the Saturday. And that's what he was big on.
2: You then joined KNOTS County again in uh, July 2001. A couple of years into it, the club obviously do slip into administration. We touched a-
1: it's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your nugget share box on the go, and do you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget, and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? Help participate in restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms. Apply. See mcdonalds.com.
4: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing
3: practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: On earlier, did you have any idea before you signed of the sort of scale that the club was in, in sort of turmoil, or was it very much sort of when you signed, there was no inkling whatsoever that, you know, there's going to be any admin or any sort of ownership issues at any point
4: no not at all I, I i um you know i i remember going to meet the manager jockey scott he was uh being backed or they the club was being backed by an american owner in albert scardino i think his name was um I, I clearly passed all the the fit and proper tests for the football league whatever that includes whether it means, <laughs> it means showing them a, a bank account of some sort i don't know but um, you know, I think either the, the money, you know, went very quickly, or or it wasn't there in the first place. And you know, I say I signed on the same day as as Darren Kasky. You know, there was one or two good players there, of course, and, and there were, you know, I think we signed five or six players that, that summer. So you know, they were they were they were going for it, and, and um, you know, what transpired was that the, the owner has let the, the club and the fans down massively and 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 left them in in debt and and of course there was no no option i don't think for the for the club other than to, to go into administration when a, a new buyer couldn't be found immediately
3: and then um so from knots county you went to scunthorpe um at what obviously you played for quite a few years before taking on um an assistant manager roland and at what point in at this phase of your career did you decide that you either like to kind of try out managing or that that was your next step
4: yeah i I remember signing a a one-year deal i was Mm -hmm. 33 thinking okay this is quite possibly my last contract one-year deal i wanted to i knew i was still fit but brian laws wouldn't give me two um so we you know we were they they just uh missed out on getting relegated to the to the non-league what it would have been so. Um, Nigel always describes it as falling into the abyss, yeah. and um, and and you know, what would have happened, you know, possibly could have happened, what, what's, what's what's gone on now, which yeah. is sad. But um, you know, for me, again, we three three signings, four signings that season, myself, Andy Crosby. Um, oh, the, we, the, we already had Peter Begry there, um. Paul muscle white the goalkeeper you know down the, the the spine of the team they went for experience and um, i was playing in midfield then and and uh, for me it was it was you know the start of something quite special because i achieved something as a player that i probably hadn't in any of my other clubs and and you know unprecedented the promotions the titles we won yeah. um you know going going down when we got into the championship so i went from league 2 to league 1 we spent another year in league 1 then went to the championship then got relegated, then went back to the championship again via the playoffs. And, and you know, during this time, I, I just started to, you know, I enjoyed, you know, coaching. And and I was 38, 39, coming towards the end of my last contract. And, and Nigel had already taken over from, from Brian. Nigel, everyone knows now, was the physio. Um, but the chairman had the foresight to, you know, to, to see that he, he, he played. He was a goalkeeper. It's not as if he was just a physio, and and and, and you know his whole career was was in medicine. Um, so it was it was something where he asked myself and Andy Crosby still playing to be his two lieutenants, and we we took that on, and and so let's just go with it. And uh, initially, it was as a as a you know a, a, an interim management team, wondering whether they would bring a another manager in, but uh, no, the, the say the chairman, Mister Wharton, had had other thoughts, and and um. No, we, we, we got promoted out of League One and got to the Championship. And, and that's, uh, do you know what, sliding door moments again, because <laughs> you know, if I'd have said, no, 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 I just want to be a player and I just want to concentrate on playing, um, you know, you may never have got a chance again to coach.
2: You move on then to actually being the caretaker manager, first of all, at Scunthorpe, then you get the job. Obviously, Nigel leaves to go to Southampton, which I think probably... You couldn't really begrudge, given, I mean, no disrespect to Scunthorpe, Southampton is certainly a lot of a bigger club than, than Scunthorpe. but obviously they were a division below. Was it a real surprise, first of all, that he left to drop, a, to drop down a division? But were you equally surprised, kind of, I guess, maybe the phone call or sort of any sort of inkling that you would have had that you might be the caretaker manager at all? Or how did that kind of transpire?
4: No, my, uh, my bags were packed, ready to go down south. <laughs> and and that, that's the truth. We, we've been talking as a management group, and quite often that's what happens. Mm-hmm. The Manager trusts people within the group and and move on together. And we've spoken about that. And Nigel, had, you know, he'd asked me where, whether I'd I, you know I'd be interested in, in that move. Absolutely. It, it, we were dropping down a division, but it was going to be a step up because Southampton were at St Mary's. They were certainly favourites to, to to get promoted, win that league, and um, only good things could could happen from there. But uh, I think a conversation between the two, uh, two chairmen, uh, Nicola Cortese, I think it was at the time. And and he said that, um, no, you you can only bring one member of staff with you. Um, I think in a conversation with Mr. Wharton had said, no, 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 we don't want the whole team going, going down and and losing what we've, what we've worked so hard for. So um, in the end, it was, uh, it was one of those where, where, you know, I, I was, Asked to stay behind and, and and um, well, not asked, told. You will yeah. be staying behind. You won't be going to Southampton. and uh, But we'd like you to to take over as manager. And certainly, firstly, in the interim, but we can see you as being a, being a manager of the future. So, one, you know you're probably, well, there's disappointment for a start. Mm-hmm. But then it's a chance because, you know, even though you might not be ready for it, and I don't mind admitting now I wasn't ready for it, mm-hmm. And we were in a position where we'd look. I think we brought through so many strikers, young strikers, sold them on. So you're talking Billy Sharp, Andy Keogh, um, Gary Hooper, Martin Patterson. You know, it it was a conveyor belt of strikers that we brought into the club, done very well for us, and, and moved on. That had to stop at some stage. I know that there was players that were tapped up as well to leave in the January, and 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 at that time Martin Walford was doing well, Matt Sparrow. So I just thought, look, we're, we're going to struggle in the Championship. It's There's no doubt about it. So I, I didn't necessarily want to take over, but I knew that if if I didn't, then another manager may come in, not fancy mm. me as assistant or as coach, and bring somebody else in. So again, sliding doors moment. It's um, one that I took on. And, and after that first game, as an interim manager, we went to Bramall Lane and beat Sheff United 4-0. So I probably should have stopped then, should <laughs>
3: Was very it was a you were interim manager for a very short amount of time before you were permanent. Did were they ever very clear in that, you know, it, it was a very short trial period and they expected you to be appointed as the permanent manager, or was that as much of a surprise to you as um as anyone else?
0: No,
4: I think the chairman just as he explained afterwards when he did offer me the, the full time role, he mm-hmm. said that you know we 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 wanted to offer it to you, but um and probably quite rightly, we wanted to see how it fit with you. Yeah. Whether it, whether it was comfortable or not. Now, bearing in mind that I was coming out of a dressing room, having played with most of those players yeah. anyway, that was very, very difficult. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was for, for anybody, but you know, for, for someone who'd never managed before and you know, mm-hmm. having to all of a sudden you're in charge of, of their livelihoods, their you're, you're letting people down, players you've played with for a, a number of years, um that was that was tough. And, and certainly in a, in a team that was uh, that, that was struggling in the league, albeit we weren't in the bottom three. And the first time that we we, we dropped into the bottom three, we got beaten by the the bottom club president at the time, and um, I got sacked that night. So the first time we dropped into the bottom three, off the back of a conversation with the, the chairman to say, look, we expect possibly we're going to get relegated, and if we do, mm-hmm. we want you to to have the chance to to come back in there the following season and, and bring your own players through. So promise that that was a big, big learning curve. Don't, yeah. don't listen to, to every promise that gets made made to you and, and um, you've got to win games of football.
3: Yeah. Briefly.
2: I'm not going to obviously kind of compare the two, but do you almost feel like a little bit you were kind of, kind of on a losing battle because, you know, Nigel Atkins, that's a great success it's gone for. It was almost a little bit like looking back now, whoever was to come in was always going to maybe kind of struggle or maybe not quite have that same success we've seen it you know Manchester United when Ferguson left David Moyes come in you know we've seen it quite a lot where a lot of managers have left clubs and then the next person in charge their predecessor hasn't quite sort of Would you maybe look like thinking back and have the benefit of hindsight thinking maybe it was always going to be a bit of a struggle for me regardless of what I did or do you maybe think no it was it was never really kind of yeah. that came into my mind at all
4: no, hence my bags were packed for Southampton. When when Nigel had the conversation, I said yes, I I, I want to come with you and you know build a, a coaching uh, coaching career first of, first of all, and and certainly to go to a bigger, better club like Southampton. I, you know, I was jumping at the chance to do that. So um, for me, you know, disappointment getting over that of not doing that initially, and then saying, okay, well, let's see where we go with it. And um, I brought somebody in was very experienced manager at the time Steve Parkin so you know I wanted someone around me who'd got that in that uh, experience and and you know could sort of let me know the pitfalls and where where I, I may be able to you know get be better in certain areas and 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 um, you know I I'd, I'd probably look back at that period and think oh I cringe a little bit and some of the things I might have said or done or or you know you had to learn quickly and and that's something you know I Hopefully, I, I ended up doing and, and taking it into my next role.
3: And um, you had a little bit of time off between leaving Scunthorpe and, and joining Sligo Rovers. Eventually, how did you spend that time? You, you've mentioned that you are very reflective, and you know there are things from Scunthorpe that you took into your next role. What what else do you do with like in that kind of decompression? I guess
4: scouting, watching games, watching plenty of pl- games, and, and I've always done that if, if I've been out of work. I will go and watch uh, as many games as I can, whether it be on a Saturday football league level, um, whether it be in, in midweek, whether you know under 21s levels. It's um, you know having that database of players, that knowledge is key for going into your next role, wherever that might be. And uh, so that's something I've I've always tried to do. Sometimes it's been for for other clubs scouting, so you're actually putting something onto the laptop or a report. You're putting that in for someone, which is great to be able to do that um, because it's also, a, you know, another string to your bow, whether you, you go into the scouting side or the recruitment side or something that I'm, I'm looking at doing. Well, I am doing in September. I'm doing a, a director of football degree at Manchester Met. So, you know, it, it's, it's always something where you can continue learning and continue um, putting something, you know, that's on, on your CV. But um, no, watch, watching plenty of games, Plenty of players and being ready to, to act upon it when you, you know, that chance does come.
3: And when you started at Sligo Rovers, how did your approach change from being a player manager with a team that you knew very well as peers, as much as um, as managers, as a manager at the beginning? Did you kind of consciously change your approach going in and, and starting a new role, or was it just an evolution?
4: Yeah, I think. It gives you a chance to go into somewhere fresh where nobody knows your style of coaching, mm. nobody knows your style of management. Nobody's wondering well, everyone, all the players, all the staff are wondering how you're going to react to certain situations. Uh, again, I just, I just wanted to to build on what we, what we, we've done at Scunthorpe. Really, in in, in respect to bringing young players in, giving them their chance, giving them plenty of praise, giving them um, you know individual learning plan, if you like, for for, for players. And, uh, and growing a culture of, of being together and and um no, I, I took on a team that, that that had been successful under paul cook in the cup competitions but um hadn't quite been able to last the distance and, and win a league so um to go to sligo and, and and actually go and win the league in the first year first time in 35 years take it out of out of dublin was something very special and i know you know the area that the, the town now still look back at it uh, very fondly, and, and we had three great years in 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 winning trophies, being successful. So it was um, no, a really really uh, key part of my my role that that I, I know first time managers, if they get sacked, fifty percent get back into work, fifty percent don't. And, and I wanted, I was lucky that after eleven months, I was given the chance to to go mm-hmm. to Sligo and and um, a different culture, a different way of of working in a different country, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to learn very, very quickly, and, and we did, and we we say we were very successful. So proud of of playing in Europe at that time, Champions League and Europa League, and and so it was a big learning curve for us.
3: What did you feel um, accepted by the Irish footballing community, or, or was that an uphill battle as well in terms of the change in culture and and playing style potentially?
4: You no, know, I, th- I think you have to you have to. Sh- you know show that you're confident, show that you've got the knowledge. Like anywhere you go, it doesn't matter what 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 country whether it's a different country or whether it's a different club. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's looking at you to say, okay, what's your what's your thoughts? How are you gonna play? What's your style of coaching? What's your style of management? How do you treat people? Um and and for me I think it was a we had to hit the ground running. I think I I I signed my contract on the Thursday and we were playing on the Friday night, the first game of the season. So I had no preseason yeah and um, and we were we were right in, in in the battle we we had a man sent off in the first half of that game away at shelbourne so my first team talk really at halftime we were down to 10 men and it was one where i was i was encouraged by what i'd seen but we needed to be better in certain areas so i you know i think there was a couple of lads having a go at each other so i calmed everything down said hey my time to talk and um and and you know, this is how we're going to get ourselves out the, of out the mire. And we, we ended up getting a, a late equaliser uh, from, from a set piece that we um, we would talked about. And uh, and that set us on the, on the road.
2: You then walked in at Motherwell. Obviously, your back's probably up. You're feeling confident. You're feeling 10 feet tall. Obviously, it did end a little bit disappointing at Sligo. But you certainly made a good impact, had a really good legacy. Did you walk into Motherwell perhaps maybe feeling a bit overconfident because of the good job you've done at Sligo? Or did you walk in there and, and see it was struggling and almost no straight away it was going to be a very, very tough job for you when you walked straight in?
4: No, I, I think, well initially, you know, to leave Slago, I was disappointed because, you know, to hit the depth of the fourth in the league and get sacked, <laughs> you know, we were going to go and play against uh, Rosenborg in in the, uh, in the Europe the following week, I think. And um, I never got the chance to, to do that. So we, we weren't struggling. And six weeks earlier, we just won the Oil Island cup this at yeah. Cup. so um you know I didn't expect to get sacked but again harsh lesson anything can happen in football <laughs> and um so I and I think it was then maybe what was it probably 6 or 7 months before taking on taking the motherwell job so and I knew that you know that that it was it was going to be a struggle because motherwell uh, having a look at the results that struggled all season mm-hmm. they were in the bottom two, uh, if not bottom and um, you know, it was, it was you've got half a season to try and keep a, a team in the Scottish Premier League, and again, pro- probably I, f- I felt more pressure going there than I did going to Ireland. Um, you know, an Englishman going up to Scotland is not the easiest thing, and you have no. to ground running. When I, and I knew that that certainly my first conversation with the the, the press, the Scottish press, that they were going to twist my words around as much as possible, and I had to be wary. And uh, and they put me on the back foot because they said that I would, you know, I claimed that I'd said that we we were we uh, should have the expectation of going and winning the league. And I'm like, well, <laughs> no, I didn't actually say <laughs> <laughs> the players to have a mentality every yeah. season of, you know, I want to win every competition that we enter. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't say we'd actually go and do that. But the the headlines on the back of the uh, on the the. You know that the red tops were, were all that I, I said that we're going to win the league, and that's uh, so again another <laughs> for for young managers. But you know yeah, how it worked out was for me. First part of this the the, the uh, scenario was keepers in the league,
0: and we mm-hmm. eventually did that do.
4: in in um, obviously spectacular fashion by beating <laughs> Rangers like Glasgow uh over two legs and not only you know by the skin of our teeth, but we beat them 3-1 Ibrox in the first leg and then 3-0 back at home. So it was um it, it ended up a fantastic uh end, end of the season. And then you know, you are bringing new players in, you know, mm-hmm. to start the new season. I think I, I was given seven games, so again it's uh it's 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 a harsh harsh lesson of um you know where, where just be very careful. Don't sit back on your, your laurels, and and I didn't. You know, we were working towards trying to bring these players through. It was going to take a little while to to nurture young players. There was some a crop of young players coming through the academy at Motherwell, which eventually went on like Davy Turnbull now at Celtic, playing. Uh, he you know he was one of, of of a good few that were were given the chance.
3: So you spent a little bit of time um, at Oldham after you left Motherwell and then um, on to Northern Ireland under-21s and then the full team and ultimately uh, left in October 2022 when you didn't qualify for the Euros. Knowing what you know now in terms of the team's kind of trajectory throughout this year, it seems like kind of throughout your career, you've been kind of up against maybe unrealistic expectations of teams and uh, owners or, um, or leadership who haven't given you the time that you needed was, and, and, and there was lots of success in like for the world cup qualifiers and it, it must be incredibly frustrating. I know that it's football, uh, you know, as an outsider. I, yeah. I, I don't know how, there's not really a question in here is there
0: but no, it, it, no. It,
3: it, just really interested to see how how you kind of how, how you live with a career like that I
4: can, I can take it on from there because of the you know i i, I sat in the uh, the interview panel the under 21s role first question was why do you want this job we don't win games of football at this level and they hadn't for wow. 6 years they hadn't won a home game in, in a qualifier and they hadn't won an away qualifier for 8 years so taking on a, a group of under-21s who were either playing in the Northern Irish League or they weren't playing, they were at clubs in England or Scotland, but weren't playing their first teams. And to bring them together and, um, you know, in our first qualifying year, we came runners up to Spain in, in that, with, and we amassed 20 points uh, and, and with some great results along the way and none bigger than, than beating Spain. On their home turf, and again, I think the first time they've been beaten at that level in in something like ten or twelve years. So you know, to to, to go there and, and beat them two one, um but for me, it was a fantastic you know move for, to going into international football, you know, pitting your wits against not only the best players in, in Europe at the time for that age group, but also some of the best coaches, and and you know the Spanish coach is Now their their senior coach at that time, so. Um, now, but beating the likes of Slovakia and going to Iceland and getting a result there—who are strong at that age group—and and, you know—and seeing players grow and developing players, my role was not necessarily to win games of football, but to develop young players to go to the next level at, at international football. And mm-hmm. um, and for me, you know, to see the likes of, of, of Dan Ballard and Connor Hazard and Bailey Peacock Farrell, and and uh, you know, to name just a few in within that team at the time. Mm-hmm. Jamal Lewis, it, it, you know, it was, it was just a, a fantastic time to, to be a part of. And three years, I thoroughly enjoyed that that under-21s role. But then, say, all things move, move on and and Michael moved to, to Stoke and to be offered the, the national job, the full national job. Well, you know, not in my wildest dreams when I was a, an apprentice playing at Leicester did I think that I would be managing a, an international team. And, um, you know, for two and a half years, again, bringing the, the young players through Nurturing a whole new group of players because Northern Ireland can't rely on a crop of players coming through year on year like England. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes through cycles. So for Northern Ireland, it's probably every ten or twelve years that you get a group of players together that can go and achieve. So for me, to my remit was to bring young players into that into that squad and work with them. And Mm -hmm. again, yeah, promises that get get told. I sign a new contract um, to take on the the Euros, and, and you'll be judged off the back of. At least one World Cup campaign and one Euros campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't get that Euros campaign. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as, as we know, we got a, a favourable draw where you know I think everyone thought that there's a chance from pot five to possibly get one of the top two places in the, in the, the the group, the Euros, and, um, and and they they decided to to move me on and bring Michael Michael back in. Which listen, that that's their their prerogative, but
1: mm-hmm. you
4: know, the promise of, of getting the Euros. Gig for that for that year and um even though you know it was it was never going to be as straightforward as yes we've got a good draw but you know there's no guarantee of then getting in the top top two positions and you know as we've seen the first four games you know one one win at marino and three defeats so it's um it, it it's not simple it's not easy but i loved every minute of it
3: How does your managerial style have to change managing a team where you don't see the players week in, week out? And, yes, you're affecting their development and and their careers, but not on a day-by-day basis.
1: Yeah,
4: very difficult. Um, And you find new ways of of communicating. And certainly when I took over the the national team during COVID, so, again, you know, we're doing a Zoom call now, but... um, (laughs) You know, Zoom calls, <laughs> and because that's where I, I really learned about Zoom calls and, and whatever. It, yes. uh, and it's it's one of those where you you, you you try and meet players in a different way, away from their, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
4: their teams. You may go to the training ground. You know, the national manager, it gives you access to, to a lot of places and, and clubs are very forthcoming when they're, they're, they're you know, if you're, you're coming to see a player um sit down, have lunch with them, meet them for a coffee somewhere, go and have something to eat, you know, away from the training ground and learn a bit more about them as as much as you can. And that's, uh, again, that was a learning curve for me, but something I really enjoyed.
2: Obviously, we're getting close to to sort of wrapping up, but we did have a a couple of questions that um, came in. Um, It came from uh, a Twitter user, uh, Michael Leahy he asked two questions. First of all, he said, "Who's the favourite player that you coached while you were managing in England?" So obviously, presumably, this could stem from being the manager of Scunthorpe or being the assistant at Oldham. Who's the best player that you coached when you've been in charge of an English club or held a coaching role?
4: That that is a difficult. That's a really difficult one because you know I was a young coach, I suppose, when I you know I was with Scunthorpe. But having coached the likes of, of and of, played with, but then. Ended up sort of, whether it was coaching or working with the likes of Billy Sharp and Andy mm-hmm. Keogh and seeing where their careers went. Um, but it gives you, a, gives you a good bit of satisfaction. Uh, Gary Hooper as well, talented striker, ended up going to, to Celtic and doing well for himself there. Um yeah, Young players, young players at Oldham when I, when I was a, I, I enjoyed that assistant manager role as well. And that's something I'd... I would still look at now. It's it's because you can have a different type of relationship with the players, and and you can be, get a little bit closer maybe than you can as a, you know rather than a manager. But um, so you know, there's there's some some good young players there. But yeah, you, you know, you I I look at some of the ones where you, you feel as though you've made a real difference too, and it's it's those Northern Ireland under twenty ones players. Where they, they have gone on to, to bigger and better things. And, and working more recently with the likes of a Shea Charles mm. and a Connor Bradley, who, you know, Shea's just gone down to Southampton, got a great move. Um, but he's played four international games before he'd even played one senior <laughs> league, league game for anybody, which is yeah. madness, isn't it? And, and really and Connor Bradley, like a breath of fresh air, plays for Liverpool, played for Liverpool and hopefully he gets his chance this year. But again, he played four mm. or five games for the national team, giving him his debut. Um before any of that, and it's 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 having that confidence to do that first of all, but also getting into them to perform and make making sure that they they feel a part of it and they feel as though they're ready. So, um, no th- players like that, I think is uh, is something that is it, it, is special to me.
2: And just quickly as well, uh, he also asked the question: What's a favourite story from a Northern Ireland camp? I you got to try and keep it short
3: and I sweet.
0: Probably,
2: and I say-
4: probably couldn't share that.
3: <laughs>
0: That's fair enough.
2: Yeah,
3: that's,
4: that's, that's we'll just end that one. No, oh, yeah, no, uh, I've, I've got a your question. So go on. They, the players love turning up and love being part of a, a group of friends, if you like. So yeah. to be like be, being involved with the likes of Johnny Evans and uh, Craig Cathcart, mm-hmm. Stuart Dallas and Stephen Davis. Well, they want to enjoy the football and they want to turn up and enjoy life as well. So at times you you've got to have a, let let them have a. A night out, maybe at the start of the uh, proceedings. If you win a game, they like to celebrate because it, it doesn't happen all the time. And, and being a part of that, and being, you know, mm. being just amongst a group of people who have gone and achieved a great result like we did against Bosnia in the the playoff semi final to get through to the the Euros um, was uh, was special. So maybe maybe nights like that
3: um i've got just a couple of last questions i suppose the, the most important thing is what what are you doing next you mentioned the director and sport course um, what what's next what what else do you want to do so, yeah my,
4: my master's degree begins in in september which uh, i'm looking forward to but also very nervous about uh, it will be two years of hard work um back to school I wasn't always the greatest at school, anyway, but it's um, it 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 it's something I'm I'm passionate about. Uh, I'm I'm desperate to get back into to to coaching, management, whatever that looks, however that looks. And I'm watching watching games at the moment for for QPR, so um, you know, hoping to to find, um, I suppose, young players certainly before the end of the uh, before the end of the window to help them again to to, to try and uh, put together. A side that can compete in the championship, but if something comes along in the meantime, whether it be management, coaching, uh, or a director of football role, even it's it's something I'm 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 ready to contemplate. I'm I'm ready to go back in now. It's um the break has been has been a long one. It seems a long one. It's been good. It's been allowed to spend time with my mm-hmm. partner, family, and um and do things that I probably wouldn't have done. I've skied for the first time <laughs> in this break. So, um and still got the bruises to show for it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a football man and I enjoy working in the, in, in the game of football now.
3: Um, last question from me. One of the things that Matt and I found when we were doing our research is that you have the dubious honour of having the worst FIFA card rating <laughs> ever. How on earth did that come about?
4: I've been, I've been told this. Um, <laughs> no. Also, to caveat that, haven't I got a better shot than Neymar?
3: Yes.
2: On the same yeah, side. that's a better claim to fame, I suppose. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that's the one is,
3: it's, it's, so it's FIFA 10, and yes, you yeah. have a higher rating than Neymar. Yours <laughs> is 88, and his is 85.
4: I I did say I'll always put a positive slant on things, won't I? <laughs> that's
2: true. That's very true.
3: Um but yeah you scored a goal from the technical area at Scunthorpe i i understand is the kind of the background to it Not
4: from, not from the technical area at Scunthorpe I, I don't think that's allowed i think uh, no I, I i did i scored from close to the halfway line for Mansfield at right. once um but it's so far back there's no recollection of there's not, uh. there is a recollection there's no no video evidence but it, it was mm. although when i tell the story it gets further and further <laughs> Um, But it was uh, no. There was no. I I, I don't know. I I suppose for a defender or midfielder, I think fifty goals out from seven hundred games wasn't wasn't a bad uh, return. No,
2: it's it's not indeed. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, Ian, speaking to you about your playing career, your management career, and what is to come next, obviously in the future. So, obviously, thank you for for sort of giving up your time, and uh, we wish you well and good luck as well on uh, your sort of. Uh, two years master's degree no doubt obviously yeah. I can certainly attest doing a, a degree is never the easiest thing so everyone at the Real AFL sort of wishes you luck on that front and uh, thank you again. Thank you. But thanks I should say much. I've as a grown-up doing a master's you
3: can totally get an NUS card you'll love it you can like <laughs> be a student and get discount everywhere it's my favorite one, part of my MBA. One, especially. Yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah 100% but, well all the best with it I'm sure you've been great. Thank you. Uh, Just before we leave as well, remember uh, the Real EFL's Twitter username handle has now changed. If you weren't familiar or simply hadn't noticed, it has gone and changed to at Real EFL social. So if you just type it in on Twitter, no doubt it will come straight back up. So my thanks once again to Ian Barraclough uh, for taking time out to uh, speak to myself and Hannah. And always as well, thank you to Hannah for being such a fantastic co-host. And obviously, thank you as well for your questions that came in to Ian. Uh, You've been listening to the Real EFL Podcast. We'll be back very, very soon with all things EFL, League One and League Two to match as well. Have a very, very good week and we'll see you again very, very soon. Bye for now.